because we play it during the altar call and the lights are so bright on us we can't see the crowd it's like big spotlights when we finish there's no noise and we're like this is the worst decision we ever made like the crowd is not clapping nothing bart millard's talking about i can only imagine the song that would become mercy me's biggest hit well the lights come up and about half the crowd is at the altar crying and praying with each other and and i could say as as good as i thought we were we had never seen anything like that we'd never seen god move in this kind of way i can only imagine when that day comes and i find myself standing in the sun this is part 2 of our conversation with bart millard of mercy me here on gps god people stories i'm phil fleischman and I'm Jim Kirkland. In part one, Bart talked about some of the ways God worked in his life leading up to the success of I Can Only Imagine. In this episode, he talks about the way God's been working in his life since then, including the filming of a movie about his life, which is also titled I Can Only Imagine, which has been number three at the box office for two consecutive weeks. Yeah, the movie is about life here on earth, and the song is about life in heaven. And that's something you'll hear Billy Graham talk about a little later in this episode. I'm not going to heaven because I'm good. I'm not going to heaven because I've preached to thousands of people. I'm going to heaven like anybody else by the way of the cross where Christ died for me. Billy Graham now is in heaven. He met Jesus face to face on February 21st. If you'd like to know more about going to heaven when you die, then we have a website that we'd love for you to visit. It's findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. GPS. God. People. Stories. When he passed away, people asked, would I ever angry at God? As a kid, maybe because of my godly grandmothers, I always looked at God as a refuge and not to blame, so to speak. The only time I got angry is when my dad died because I finally got the dad I always dreamed of, and now he leaves. I'm going to wrap my arms around my daddy's neck And tell him that I've missed him And tell him all about the man that I became And hope that it pleased him God had transformed Bart's dad in the last few years of his life. For much of Bart's childhood, his dad was physically abusive. But he changed after he was diagnosed with cancer during Bart's freshman year in high school, and the two became very close. Bart's dad died when Bart was a freshman in college. With all the horrible things that happened to me, that was the moment to where I really struggled with anger for a season. And and that's part of the reason why I became obsessed with I Can Only Imagine, is to try to work through that. Knowing that her son was in heaven, Bart's grandmother said to him at the funeral, I can only imagine what your dad's doing or seeing right now. She didn't know what she was saying. She's like, I can only imagine what he's seeing now. Like, you know, he's better off there than he was here. And as a 19-year-old, I just became obsessed with that. And it wasn't because I was super Christian. It was, I just, I was just trying to cope. And, and I kept telling myself, because I was so angry that he wasn't with me, that he's better off. He's better off. He's better off. And, and so it became like a rabbit's foot or a, like a, or like, or like an OCD kind of thing mm-hmm. to where I just, I, I became obsessed with that phrase. It would be eight years before Bart would put that phrase into a song. His dad died in 1991. He wrote, I can only imagine in 99. And then it was only because Mercy Me needed one more song 
for an independent album they were putting together. I was trying to find a blank page in my journals and imagine it was written on everything. And I was at first frustrated, like really not one blank page. And then I realized, wait a minute. I, and I, I kind of knew this will be easy to write because I've, I've pondered this for years and I literally wrote it in about 10 minutes and it's totally a God thing. Cause there, there were no, no, like grammatic, there were no errors. There were no cross outs, no mistakes. Mercy Me hadn't signed to a major label yet, and they were recording this album in a church Sunday school room the very next day. And so we went in the, we went in the Sunday school room and started trying to play the music. And it's the band, it started as a fast song, like this tech, Delirious was big at the time. It was like this techno mm-hmm. four on the floor. And I was like, what are we doing? This is not it. And so I got frustrated. I was like, forget it. We'll work on it later. Let's pack up. And as we're packing up, I keep Jim hit those three notes as he's running his finger across the keyboard bam, 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 and then he's hacking up I was like stop and I went over there I said show me what you just did and so I started playing it and we literally unpacked and recorded the independent version of Imagine I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side the song was special to Bart personally but it would be almost a year before the band ever played the song at a concert. We were at a super summer church camp in Hardin-Simmons in Texas, and the speaker said, hey man, can you play that Heaven song, Imagine song on your CD? And we're like, dude, we don't know it. Like, we haven't played it since the Sunday School building. He was like, come on, man. And, and so while he's preaching, we're behind the curtain in this little theater, quietly learning the chords to our own song. The curtain opens, we play it during the altar call, and the lights are so bright on us, we can't see the crowd. It's like big spotlights. When we finish, there's no noise. And we're like, this is the worst decision we ever made. Like the crowd is not clapping, nothing. Well, the lights come up and about half the crowd is at the altar, crying and praying with each other. And and I could say as 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 good as I thought we were, we had never seen anything like that. We'd never seen God move in this kind of way. Man, I'm Southern Baptist, so God moving that way is weird already. But uh, but it was like, what is happening? And I feel like we've played it every night since. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only I can only imagine. I can only imagine didn't become a hit until a couple of years later when Mercy Me re recorded it and included it on their first major label album. The name of that album is Almost There, and it was released in 2001. When work first began on Almost There, it didn't look like the band was going to be able to include I Can Only Imagine. They had released the song to one of the biggest names in Christian music. Amy Grant, but she hadn't used it yet, and Mercy Me needed a hit. We were selling less albums signed than we were when we were independent. And our management called Amy and said, hey, any chance this song will ever come out because you're killing our plan here? And she ends up giving it back. She was like, you know what? This is a career song. You need to take it back and run with it. You know. And so we scrambled and released it, and it, it, it changed everything. And then you know, it, 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 I think it went platinum and all this crazy stuff in the Christian market. Not just the Christian market. I Can Only Imagine was a big hit on secular stations as well. To date, it has sold 2.5 million copies, 
making it the best-selling Christian single of all time. After the song took off, so did the band's touring schedule, and it stayed that way for a number of years thanks to several more successful albums and many more hit singles. Along with the intense travel schedule, there were other stress factors in Bart's life, including his son being diagnosed with diabetes and his brother-in-law dying. It eventually got to the point that Bart felt like he just couldn't take it anymore. About six or seven years ago, before the album Welcome to the New, I tried to quit the band. As, as amazing as the things I was taught, legalism was alive and well, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And maybe because of the way I was raised, I believed I had to perform above and beyond so that God wouldn't leave me or be disappointed in me. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it's a dad thing there. And uh, it was, and you know, I'm I'm 40 years old. My family's hanging on by a thread because I'm 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 not I'm not present when I'm home. The road is to escape, like my son's diabetes and my brother-in-law being killed. And it's like I just in this weird depression. And Mercy's as successful as ever. And, and my family, my wife's like, I can take it or leave it. And talking about me. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, yeah, I, I, I just I tried to quit the band. And uh, if you ever listen to the album Hurt and the Healer, there's a literally a feels like a halfway point. Like Hurt and the Healer was written after my brother-in-law was a firefighter killed in the line of duty. And that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. I was done. And I just couldn't take it anymore. Like, God, why does this stuff keep happening? And trying to quit, the band was like, let's fix what's broken. I was like, well, I don't want to do more than 60 shows a year. You know, I want to cut it in half. I want to. I want to be home with my family and show them that they're worth fighting for and all this kind of stuff. And they were like, okay, let's do it. At the same time, a friend who knew just how hard Bart was working reminded him that he could not do anything to make Jesus love him any more than he already does. And he encouraged Bart to rest in the finished work of the cross. And no one's ever told me to quit. They told me there's more work to be done. So I was offended. But I also thought, he's proving my point. I need to quit. But that's not what he was saying. He was like, Quit doing it for that reason. And so when I realized that my identity was not the success and failures of Mercy Me, but that's just an overflow of a healthy relationship, and that I start understanding who I actually am in Christ, which is not a bad person trying to be good, but holy, righteous, and redeemed because of the cross. You are holy, you are righteous, you are one of the redeemed, set apart a brand new heart. Oh, you are free indeed. That's Mercy Me's song, Dear Younger Me. And like so many of the band's songs, it comes straight from Bart's life experiences. Imagine it was written after my dad passed with cancer. Uh, Homesick was written when my brother-in-law was killed in a car accident. Wrote it for the funeral, never meant to record it until my in-laws, the parents of the kids, said, people have to hear this. Mm. Uh, Bring the Rain was written after my son's diagnosis of diabetes. Hurt in the Healer was written after my cousin was killed in a car accident. And then going through that eight-year process of unpacking who I, my childhood with who I am now, Dear Younger Me came out of all that therapy of of realizing, oh, wait, I am holy, righteous, and redeemed. Boy, I wish I would have known that when I was a kid, because if it turned my world upside down at 40, how much damage could I have done if I was eight, at eight, and understood it? Dear Younger Me, where do I start? If I could tell you everything that I have learned so far, then you could be one step ahead. Of all the painful memories still running through my head I wonder how much different things would be Dear younger me That therapy that Bart mentioned 
helped him prepare for another major event in his life, the telling of his story in a feature movie. I got approached eight years ago from a producer, a, a really sweet lady out of California who heard me tell my story on stage and bits, you know, in between songs or whatever. And she was like, man, I'm wondering if there's a movie here. I was like, whatever, you know, it's not going to happen. And so about for five years, she would call me about once or twice a year going, I haven't forgotten, I'm going to do it. And I was like, okay, good luck with that. But then about three years ago, Bart got word that the Irwin brothers were now involved. Andrew and John Irwin are movie producers who are responsible for films like Woodlawn, October Baby, and Mom's Night Out. And I remember even though I said yes to it, thinking, am I emotionally and spiritually ready for the things I've buried my whole life, not only to be dug up, but put on a big screen. Mm. But, uh, but my wife and I had gone through grief counseling and some other stuff and completely separate from this timeline, even though it was the same eight years, a separate storyline was that we were unpacking why, how I react to things now because of my childhood and it never connected the two, avoided it at all costs. This godly counselor showed me how it's all connected. And so here I am getting healthy in the same eight year time frame to be able to, to mm-hmm. not only talk about the movie, but support it and not knowing that how, how important that role was in the same eight years, the movie's slowly working its way to a reality. And I'm telling you, if the movie released three or four or five years ago, I, well, it wouldn't release. I wouldn't let it because I couldn't, I mean, it was hard enough now and I'm in a healthy place. One of the most painful parts of Bart's past was the absence of his mom his parents divorced when he was three because of his dad's abuse. Then, when Bart was in the third grade, his mom remarried and moved from his hometown of Greenville, Texas, to San Antonio. Bart and his older brother stayed with their dad. Well, I would see her like at Christmas, the holidays. Mm-hmm. It's like a six, seven-hour drive away, something like that. And so I would see her at holidays, but I hated being in San Antonio away from my brother. And, mm-hmm. and so as much as I could, and then as I got older, the, I saw her less and and then I dealt with resentment and anger of not understanding why she left as I got older. And, and that wasn't really resolved until I think I had kids until she showed up as a grandmother. And uh, that's when I started unpacking how much resentment I had towards her and to where, and, and to where we had to work through it and I had to work through it. And, and now she's a huge part of my life. Even though their relationship is restored now, Bart wasn't sure how his mom was going to respond when she saw I Can Only Imagine for the first time. Like, I remember going last August to show her the movie thinking it was going to kill her. And she sat there with tears in her eyes and said, that's, that's basically how it happened. I'm so sorry. The film closes with a picture of Bart and his mom. And the words, today, Bart and his mother are incredibly close. And she is Mercy Me's biggest fan. I Can Only Imagine's done well at the box office. It earned the number three spot in its opening weekend. The movie is based on a song that God continues to use to touch people's lives. What's crazy is that, I mean, years later, you, you see the response of the crowd. You see people that have gone through something recently, whether it's losing a loved one, where the song has come to life to them. And you can't deny when you see the look on somebody's face when you're singing live. And it's like, this is, this is the whole world to them at this moment. Even to this day, I've had a guy come to me and say, I hated this song until my wife died. I didn't get it. I was like, what's the big deal? The hype is too much. He was the second my wife died. He was like, I, I get it. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, it's like the song was recorded yesterday for him. I can only imagine when that day comes And I find myself standing in the sun 
only imagine when all I would do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine, yeah. Bart Millard's life story is all about the transforming power of Jesus Christ, and his career-defining song is all about worshiping Jesus in heaven. Now, if you're ready to let Jesus transform your life, and if you want to know that you're going to heaven when you die, we can help. Visit us at findpeacewithgod.net. If you're already a follower of Christ, you can use that site to grow deeper in your faith. The address again is findpeacewithgod.net. You've heard a lot about Bart's family growing up. In just a minute, we're going to hear about his wife and kids. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. The real you is going into eternity. Where will you spend eternity? Billy Graham. No matter what your sin, no matter how deep in sin you've been, God is in the forgiving business because of what Christ did on the cross. I'm not going to heaven because I'm good. I'm not going to heaven because I've preached to thousands of people. I'm going to heaven like anybody else by the way of the cross where Christ died for me. Are you certain? Are you sure? These things I write unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. You can know it. You don't have to guess it. You don't have to say, I think so, I hope so. You don't have to go home wrestling with your doubts. You can have it settled all tonight. Do you know Christ that way? Billy Graham and his wife, Ruth, both knew Christ in that way before they died. So now they are reunited in heaven. And somebody else who knows Christ in that way is Bart Millard. Both he and his wife, Shannon, as a matter of fact, know Jesus Christ and have surrendered their life to him. Billy and Ruth met and started dating in college, but Bart and Shannon started dating in middle school. Shannon was my first girlfriend in seventh grade. Um, she's a huge part of the movie. And uh, we've been married for 20 years. Past November, tw- this November will be 21 years. I've got five kids, boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, 16 down to seven. And it's um, it's the most amazing adventure in my life. Like it's the circus you don't want to leave. And um, and uh, gosh, it's, it's you know it's yeah, it's just it's incredible. It's I mean it's it's insane. It's out of control. We get things wrong half the time, but it's like man, it's a uh, it's just it's the and I think because it's just something I never had, you know. And I always, I lived in fear most of my life, thinking that my identity was my guilt and shame and. And just to, I never thought I would have this opportunity. And and again, and the crazy thing is, is going through that, my wife was right in front of me and had no idea and was walking alongside of me then and had no idea. We want to thank Bart Millard for taking time to talk with us and for being so transparent about the struggles he has worked through over the years. We want to thank you for listening. And one final word of appreciation is to the producer of this episode of GPS, Albert Swanson. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Jim Kirkland. GPS, God, People, Stories, an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. Hey,